Welcome, and thank you for joining the Unbiased Label Podcast, where we believe labels belong on clothes, not people. I'm your host, Zara Karutz. On this podcast, we have real talk focused on all things fashion and culture with a critical global perspective at the intersection of industry and academia. from the western perspective people really are clueless that that is actually taking place you just said stoning Nigeria it's literally one of the most conservative homophobic countries you would ever find the SSMP law the, the Sharia law was death by stoning my recent piece for BBC really explored that awareness colorism patriarchy and misogyny when it relates to fashion This episode is a conversation with Nigerian fashion journalist Elvis Kachi. Kachi has been published in many magazines and news outlets, including Vanity Teen, BBC, The Guardian, Business Day Nigeria, Essence, and Quartz, to name a few. His reporting focuses on fashion designers whose work is changing the stereotypical ideologies of African fashion and breaking through gendered norms. Most recently, Kachi's work highlighted how transgendered Nigerians could be jailed for cross-dressing if a proposed bill becomes law. The amendment, which is currently in Parliament, would make it illegal for a person to wear clothes that do not match their gendered assigned at birth. This episode is published to coincide with African Fashion Week season, with Lagos Fashion Week taking place on October 26th through the 29th. Please join me as I talk with Elvis from his home in Lagos, Nigeria. We talk about his journey to becoming a fashion journalist, African fashion designers, and the restrictive Nigerian culture on gender and sexuality. If you love fashion journalism from the African perspective, then this conversation is for you. Do enjoy. You're in Africa. Tell me where you are. Yeah, I am currently in Lagos, Nigeria. Lagos. Oh, okay. You are a fashion writer uh-huh. and you have a really clear voice as far as what you talk about, your opinions. I also find it interesting that you have the African perspective on fashion. Yeah, thank you so much. I thought that it was very important that we began to discuss the African fashion industry from our own perspective, from somebody who lives through the experiences and, you know, understands the nuances of it, what designers actually really want to discuss. The media is a very powerful tool and it is our place to tell our own stories. You're open with your process. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're very transparent, which I find refreshing. What's the backstory? So the backstory is... I really stumbled into fashion, to be honest. My father wanted us to be part of 
education. So he leveraged our strengths. I was really good at English and he would make sure that I wrote a lot of things. So I wrote a lot of fictions, I wrote a lot of stories around my existence at the time. But as a young effeminate child, I really just wanted to, you know, dress my mom and then she'd come on to me and say, does this look good on me? What do you think about this head wrap and all that stuff? So it was at that point that I stumbled into it, but it wasn't very practical, right? So you either wanted to be like a doctor or a lawyer, you know, because of course people never really thought that being a fashion personality was something that was practical at the time. So I went to the uni and then there was like this strike action where the university body were protesting against payments and then we all had to go back home. I didn't want to just sit back in the house and not do anything. So I delved into fashion designing. But then when school resumed, I registered into fashion school. It's called fashion school here, but it's really just like a fashion house. And then, you know, I delved further into learning about fashion designing, pattern drafting, color grading, fashion mm. illustration, and all of that stuff. I really wanted to be a fashion designer, but COVID happened and I went to a very different city with a friend and there was this interstate ban so we couldn't go back to our own city at the time so we were stuck there so i delved into pitching ideas pitching into different publications hi i'd like to work with you i wasn't really bothered with pay i just you know wanted an entrance into it i wanted a chance to you know sort of like share my thoughts or my knowledge and that was how I landed role for the Nigerian editor for Europe-based magazine, Vantitin. And um, pretty much that has been the training for me. That's how I, you know, delved into fashion journalism. I have a weekend column with local newspaper, Business in Nigeria, the Weekender. And I have my pieces on multiple platforms like BBC, SN, South Africa, you know, all the likes. Yeah, you've had a lot of uh, recognition, <laughs> I would say. Success. We call that success, Elvis. Congratulations. Thank you so much. What's interesting to me, what I kind of want to talk about is the difference between the global West and the global mm-hmm. South. And gosh, you know, there's a huge fashion scene in Lego mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. The sort of notion of insider agency. How does that sit with you when, from your perspective? To be honest, I'm really more invested in African fashion now, right? I really think that, of course, African fashion designers are sort of like stampeding and doing a lot of things currently. They're really, really doing things. But obviously, there is this thing about Western validation. And I think when I started, I really just, you know, as much as we really wanted to be very indigenous, I wanted to, you know, also be a part of the global states. I wanted to understand what they were doing and just add my voice to it. It's really why after after being a part of it and understanding that this might not necessarily be the path, you know, I had to obviously tone it down and just move on with the people whose realities are my own realities. And that's really just how it has been for me. That was very powerful and dynamic what you just said. Tone it down, follow your own path. What do you mean by that? So I'm talking more about African fashion designers because obviously I'm a Black person, I'm an African person. That's my reality, being here and understanding that it's really not just a place where 
you have like thatched houses and then when somebody's been commissioned to maybe tell a story about Africa and then even though it's not really their reality they just like create an editorial where people are standing in mud houses and it's just really bizarre honestly it's just really weird so yes those are like some of the misconceptions that I saw and I thought you know what maybe it's time that I added my voice to the other very few people who are also trying to tell our own realities because it's our reality and it's something that we have lived through time. What you're talking about, I've heard over and over, and it's not a new concept. It's the notion of being othered. And uh, along with the notion of being othered, there's a lot of discussion that I've noticed around appropriation and cultural appropriation in fashion, Mm -hmm. from fashion Mm -hmm. cultures, because the culture in Africa, first of all, I mean, Africa is a huge continent. So when you look at the different locations and geographies and tribes and people, there's so much richness that I think that sort of gets lost in the process. And what's interesting to me is the level of passion behind this desire to tell another narrative. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about this. So Africa is the continent and honestly, it is filled with a lot of creatives. It has a huge cultural influence. I can go on and on and these designers who tap into their own rendition of masculinities and just create things that are very, very like exciting. Bio Nigeria. He's literally one of my favorite designers. I'm so obsessed with Bio because Bio is such a pioneer. And then we have to kill James, the non-binary designer. He was the semi-finalist for the LVMH. Did you say Tokyo James? Yeah, yeah, Tokyo James. Tokyo yeah, James <laughs> yeah, I actually interviewed him on my podcast. I love Tiki James. I remember the first time I met him. I don't think he recognized me, but that was during Lagos Fashion Week at the time. I was working backstage and I just had an experience or like an encounter with him. He's such an incredible designer. I mean, he was the finalist for LMH. I know. Um, Can you describe Fashion Week? It is very immersive, to be honest. I think my first experience then was internship. I was interning backstage and I had somebody who said, you know what, apply for it. But if you really want to get in, just let me know and then be part of it. I was like, oh, of course. And then I don't know if you really follow my stories, but I literally always highlight her a lot because honestly, um, Sarah was one of those people who really just um, gave me head starts in fashion. Um, so yes, I spoke with Maya Tafo, I spoke with um, Ochi of Style Temple, I spoke with Adiba Kelawal. That was also the time I spoke with Tokyo James. So it was just really great to see these people, see, you know, understand the working principles of what it means to be backstage, the intensity, you know, the heat, the, the people who are focusing on the hair and the makeup, people who are focusing on the beauty, people who are focusing on dressing these models. It, it's honestly very immersive. It was really nice to also work front row last year. I covered over four publications last year. I wrote for Essence. I wrote for Culture Custodian. I wrote for Van Titten. I wrote two pieces for Culture Custodian. And then I wrote for Amaka Studio. So yes, it was really very interesting, to be honest. That's wonderful. That really springboarded you. You bring something up, and I think it's interesting when you're talking about these Nigerian designers specifically, mm. you're talking mm. about masculinities. And, yeah. and I find this really interesting because 
I'm noticing a, a thread, but sp specifically whoever I talk to from Nigeria talks about masculinity. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm wondering what your perspective is and, and why you think that's so. I'm, so Nigeria is a very conservative country, right? As much as conversations about redefining it is not currently going on, there's honestly still so much to be done. I, for one, personally think that men should be able to be expressive, right? And it's why I love designers who are using their platforms to have such conversations, Right. right. There are designers who are literally politicizing fashion in Nigeria. And it's so exciting to see. I remember my second piece for Essence. That was something I really discussed, how designers are um, politicizing their brands. I has been on since like 2010 in the fashion industry. And I remember when I was conversing with him and how he told me how he most of the times he woke up to hate mails, woke up to death threats about why he's feminizing women, why he's creating collections with pink, why he's deconstructing suits for to fit both genders, you know, why he's building like an androgynous brand, right? So, and it's now just very interesting to see that there are other people who are sort of like also tapping into their own identities and are creating collections that that are really not just about the clothing, but then when you really listen to the stories behind it, it is so interesting to see. It is such an evolution that I'm very excited by when it comes to, you know, redefining masculinity. Yeah. But then beyond the masculine presentation of it, there are other designers who, you know, when it comes to politicization, also discuss eco-friendliness and sustainability. People who really want to use fabrics that are very indigenous to us to create collections that you know are very exciting so yes nigeria as conservative as it is it's really great to see that there is a slow but meteoritic growth on all of these sort of things have been defined by now do you feel like that redefining of masculinities is connected to sexuality I really do not think so, honestly. I do not think so. I think it's really just a personal thing. I mean, there can be people who really just want to explore by what they wear, right? And, and then there can be people who present as maybe queer or non-binary who also want to just explore what they wear and just feel comfortable. You're saying, Elvis, from your perspective in mm. Lagos, Mm -hmm. The fashion of the redefining of the masculinity is not just from the queer perspective, but also mm -hmm. from the cisgendered, male, binary, non it's from everybody. As much as we know, or as much as they have given us info on, because obviously there can be people who might be queer, but they do not identify as that publicly. So I'm obviously going to come from a place of you know, public knowledge. Right. Uh, yeah, right. exactly. Because yeah. there's a lot of persecution still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. I mean, there's like a jail term. There's a stone into death. But Elvis, from the Western perspective, people really mm -hmm. are clueless that that is actually taking place. You just said stoning. Nigeria, it's literally one of the most conservative homophobic countries you would ever find. I have written quite a number of pieces when it comes to queerness. And of course, I have to add the SSMPA law. I have to add the Sharia law, which is death by stoning. My recent piece for BBC really explored that. There's a bill right now that's currently ongoing about why 
men should not be seen wearing women clothing, whatever that really means. And then, you know, Vivers spoke with trans Nigerian people, trans Nigerian designers. What does that mean? Okay, so I really delve into fashion journalism, not just to highlight a few, well, mainstream designers, but also to, um, you know, maybe just sort of like find a striking balance between everything that intersects with it, like queerness, colorism, patriarchy and misogyny. When you relate to fashion, I really like to talk about it. So I spoke with a few open trans women and trans men in Nigeria and non-binary people too in Nigeria who are also designers, right? And that was really what the piece was about, how the cross-dressing bill was going to really affect them because obviously it was a bill that was targeted at trans people. There has been some kind of miseducation and, you know, the people who are empowered do not necessarily educate themselves it's just about decriminalization and the piece really was just to talk to trans people who are really going to be affected by the bill but then it was a focus more on the trans and non-binary designers right so how exactly do they think that it is going to really affect the fashion industry coming from people who obviously really live by it right because it's a bill that's intended for trans people. So I thought to speak with trans designers, trans men designers, trans women designers, and non-binary designers too. Yeah, that's really wonderful. That's why I'm attracted to your work. It's because (laughs) it's fashion from the deep end and fashion is a code of language that intersects. So when I read your work and you're even interviewing designers, you kind of cut straight to the point. You're like, (laughs) you know this is a bit of a controversy or why this or you know you don't really kind of fluff so talk a little bit about your tone of voice as a journalist Um, okay so I am a visibly effeminate man and I think it's really where all of this stems from right watching the violence against people who present like myself and, you know, I just really wanted to sort of like tap into that experience and have these conversations. And to be honest, I'm really not going to say that it has been bad, but I'm not going to say that it has not been bad, <laughs> if that makes sense. But um, yeah, it has been quite a journey to be honest. It has really been interesting. It has been great to, you know, see that other people share their own perspective with me and it's really why this conversation is being held to be honest it is about putting out information or putting out things that are also as much as they educate they're also going to inspire that's really just it for me I wanted to create things that you know were very personal but you know people could like really just relate to and find something interesting in it yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting I'm, from the Western perspective, a lot of what is discussed in fashion, mm-hmm. especially tends to be more <laughs> surface. Mm-hmm. And everyone that I talk to, and I'm talking specifically just Nigeria is very yeah. deep and has a very powerful t- message. And I'm just talking in the fashion world. <laughs> Possibly from what you're saying, because there is so much going on that you have to break through that to change and go in a new direction that you have to have a strong voice. And I admire that. I mean, to be honest, it's it's just very exhausting. It's just very exhausting to see laws that really just criminalize people. It's just exhausting. But it is also very inspiring to see people who have really lived through all of it, right, even before 
these laws began to, you know, gain ground. There have been people who have really inspired us by what they wear. There have been people who have really inspired us by, you know, their designs. There have been people who have really inspired us by the kind of photography that they take. There have been people who have really inspired us by the kind of media publications that build in. It's really great to see. So yeah. um, I, I think all of this just sort of like stems from the exhaustion and from the, you know, let's see what we can do to change how this movement is. And I think it's really just a, it's a lovely. <laughs> when you say exhaustion, that to mm. me is a, a word that is alarming because exhaustion leads to stopping usually. <laughs> So how do you balance this exhaustion and how do you fuel yourself? Yeah, so it's really from the opposite end, right? It's the exhaustion that makes you want to see how you can change it, Uh, right? It's that exhaustion that makes you just really reflect and just say, nah, I'm tired. We have to really try to do something. (laughs) Motivation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How can we use our own platforms to have these conversations. I literally just talked about the cross-dressing bill, right? Um, it's just really tiring. There's the law that stops you from holding hands with people who you find attractive because of same sex. There's the law that literally wants you to die by stoning. A woman can literally not wear a pair of pants. That's literally what that law means. Like a woman cannot wear a pair of trousers anymore. A man cannot put on his skirt. It's just hiring, right? That's kind of exhaustion I'm talking about that really just makes you want to change things. And then it also really just comes from people who, like I said, have lived through it, right? People who have disbanded all of it, even when it was very intense. The change, we can see it, but it's really very slow, but we cannot even discredit that there's not some kind of awareness happening right i mean people are being more empathetic towards conversations like this right i mean it's slow like i've been saying but yeah it's happening but then there were times where it was just very intense and then there, there were people who have really lived through it have been living authentically have been wearing whatever they wanted to wear have been you know creating designs that they wanted to create have done photography that are just very you know, they just drop your jaws and you're like, wow, this is just so good. It's it's such important work, Elvis. It's so important. (laughs) You're a young fashion journalist. Mm -hmm. You're doing this important work and talking about all the issues and social issues of the day. So how does this manifest in your own career? I'm a very spontaneous person. As much as I like to plan, I really just like to live in the moment to be honest. But as far as trajectory goes, I really just want to, you know, enjoy myself right during my fashion journalism, having great conversations with people who I think are, you know, really changing things. Um, And um, as much as I'm doing that, you know, speaking with mainstream designers, I really also want to highlight a number of young creatives. Oh my God, Africa, like I said earlier, Africa is literally busting with a lot. I have a number of young designers who I am so inspired by because they're really doing something, you know, there's collaboration, there's a creation of collections. They also tap into that personal experience. So it's really just what I think I want to be doing long-term 
you know, highlighting all of these people, highlighting all of these conversations, um, you know, a little bit of travel, obviously, because I'd really like to also cover fashion weeks across Nigeria. I'd really love to experience South African Fashion Week and Fashion Week in Ghana. There are a lot of creatives in very underrepresented countries like Kenya, like Senegal, like Benin Republic, I mean, the Ivory Coast, there are a number of designers who are really doing something there. But, you know, the media really just doesn't focus on them. I think um, generally when it comes to African fashion, you know how fashion capitals like New York, London, Milan and Paris is. For Africa, we have more of Lagos, South Africa, Ghana, and then maybe a little bit of Senegal or Kenya. But then there are other really amazing designers in Ivory Coast, like um, Loza, who was one of the designers in Beyonce's Blackest King. There are quite a lot of designers, actually. So long term, I really want to, you know, highlight all of these really amazing designers in very underrepresented countries because they're not really represented in the media. I would really, really love to do that. Do you miss being a designer at all? To be honest, I don't think I want to go back to it. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm honestly all about exploring. I mean, I have done that. And this is where I find fulfillment. This is where my bearing is. This is where I would have the most conversations that I want to have. This is where I think I would be more exposed to mm. people. And, you know, just on that level, um, I mean, I, I might... I might, might, <laughs> I might release something, but I really think that it will just be for me. It will most likely not be for the public, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You have to have something <laughs> for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time I have a discussion, I learn something. So thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Elvis. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, take care of yourself. Have a good day. Ciao, ciao. You too, yeah. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.